And happy Memorial Day. I hope everyone has had a wonderful long weekend if you have um, today off and that, you know, you're excited about summer, which is like, I guess, I guess today kind of marks the beginning of summer. I'm not really sure, but I am so excited to be sharing this episode with Skylar, with all of you guys. Um, it was such an awesome conversation and She's just such a badass, and I'm sure you guys are going to love um, what we talked about and just, like, love listening to her story. Uh, before I jump into the episode, I want to talk a little bit about Talkspace, which is one of my sponsors, um, and also the company that I work for, which is pretty dope that I get to, you know, kind of have my company sponsoring my podcast. <laughs> I never really, you know, thought that that was going to be a possibility, but Talkspace is the number one therapy app and it is like the easiest way to just get into therapy without, you know, having to find someone who's in your network and, or kind of get, make an appointment. And especially now when there's such backup for finding therapists because, Obviously, we just went through a global pandemic. It's really awesome having something like Talkspace where you can get started right away and get matched with a licensed therapist and begin your therapy journey. Um, Even if you just want to try it out, you can use my code and get $100 off your first month. See if it's for you. You know, if it's not, don't sweat it. Um, But just use the code Zoe at checkout and get $100 off your first month. And I think it's a really awesome way to try therapy because really it would Doing that for a month would cost less than one session in New York, um, which is insane. Uh, but yeah, so again, you can just go to Talkspace.com and get started and then use the code Zoe at checkout for $100 off your first month. Again, Z-O-E, uh, no Y. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here is Skylar Debray. everyone and welcome to another episode of Solace and the City. Today I am so excited to be here with Skylar Debray who is a professional soccer player for the North Carolina Courage and the co-host of the Mental Matchup podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, such a fangirl of the work <laughs> that you're doing and um, yeah, no, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm No, I'm such a fan of you and just it's so wild to me that our paths have crossed again in like this way and just yeah just all that um but we'll get into that anyways if you could start off by telling me a little bit about yourself where are you from how old are you where'd you go to school what's your story yeah um I grew up in Fairhaven New Jersey right next to you in Rumson, uh, which is wild. Um, went to Rumson Fairhaven High School and then was recruited to go to Duke to play soccer there. I played professional soccer 
um, I got drafted to play in for the Washington Spirit in DC after graduating, but decided to play in Prague with AC Sparta instead and spent like 10 months in Prague with one of my best friends playing professionally there, which was awesome. Um, came back to the States and played professionally with the Rain FC uh, before having to take about a year and a half off for mental health reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. And then I moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, kind of because of mental health stuff, but wound up um, eventually getting back into soccer. And I'm now playing for the uh, North Carolina Courage, as mentioned. Um, so lots of soccer, some mental health struggles, and uh, still definitely figuring it out day by day. But um, that's kind of where, where I'm at right now. That's crazy. Like, I, it's funny just because I remember when I got back from Greece, I remember this is like just the most New Jersey thing I ever say, but I remember seeing you uh, at the fireman's fair and you'd just gotten recruited to Duke freshman year, which is crazy. Like freshman year of high school, I like that summer, um, or just committed, I think, or make something or sign verbally. I don't know how the process works. Yeah, I I didn't verbally commit until my sophomore year. Um, but yeah, maybe I was like narrowed down to Duke at that point. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it is early either way. <laughs> yeah, so, so wild. Um, so part of Morgan's message and your goal with your own podcast is to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations about the subject. Um, and so I love, I mean, A, just how open you are about your struggles. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of tell me a little bit more about your personal mental health journey, like when it kind of started, with, if you can, you know, point to a time. I, I know personally it's like hard to think of like what, like, what came you know first kind of a thing um but yeah when did you I guess first start having struggles with mental health was it when you like I feel like or I imagine that just the journey of you know being a star athlete and then a d1 athlete and then a professional athlete like has a lot of intensity attached to it so um, when did you kind of like first, when did it first kick in? Um, I think the first time that I remember really not feeling like myself was my junior year of high school. Um, but I had mono and I was severely iron deficient at that point. Um, so I think a lot of that was like physical changes in my body. Um, and then again, my junior year of college was the first time that I really experienced a period of depression um, where I just like kind of classic symptoms of like fatigue and lacking motivation, not getting enjoyment out of anything. Um, and um, again, when I went abroad to Prague for the first half of my season there after graduating, like I think the, 
time after you graduate, kind of similar to your story, like it's such a hard transition anyways. And then we, me and one of my best friends, Ashton, we were playing over there and um, just being in a completely new culture where you have so much less structure, like coming out of Duke where you're so busy, you have so much work academically, you're enjoying yourself socially, you're so focused on soccer to just having soccer. And then um, like even that soccer, you start to question because it was a less professional environment than Duke was over there in a lot of ways. Um, So I think I just, it was kind of an existential like many crises every day because we just had way too much time on our hands to think and be in our own heads and um just yeah the transition in in general is hard but so that's to say that I think I've I've had mild periods of depression starting in high school um but when I was out in Seattle so after spending a 10 months in Prague went um, to come back to the National Women's Soccer League in the U.S. and play here. And I had a period of mental health issues that looked completely different from anything else I'd ever experienced. I started to have really intense self-doubt about soccer that became increasingly irrational. And I think my headspace just kept getting more and more negative and the way that I perceived myself and perceived the world started to shift in a really dramatic way. And it kind of, it was looking back at it, my psychiatrist and other doctors think that it was a mix of depression, anxiety, and OCD all at once where I started to have intrusive thoughts, um, that like because the OCD I just couldn't couldn't let go of um and it all kind of accumulated into suicidal ideation that was so intense I was like so distracted by it losing the ability to function day to day and like I said I had never dealt with anything like it didn't even know that that was possible really like I didn't know I had no idea what was going on and was just absolutely terrified by it so Uh, wound up having to go home to New Jersey and was pretty suicidal for the next eight months before finally getting into grad school at UNC and having a purpose again really was the thing that enabled me to like find meaning and hope in life again and that kind of my I think my chemicals kind of rebalance from there Um, and having that foundation of mental health again allowed me to come back to soccer and I'm now playing for the North Carolina Courage uh, based out of Cary. Wow. It's, I mean, it is just like pretty insane. And like, I, I mean, I'm sure that, I don't know if there's like research behind this, but I do think there's some kind of connection between going abroad and like or just anywhere that's just so out of your like typical environment and and I can't even imagine the culture shock of not only being like literally in a different country like living in a different country but also doing something you've done your entire life like soccer 
in such a different way. It's like compounded culture shock. And like, I know for, for me personally, like a huge point or like a point in my life where that definitely was a trigger to kind of like my spiral, like the depression spiral was two times I was abroad and, and just in a, a place there I was like whoa like what am I doing here this is I don't really know how to acclimate in a sense that's like healthy Mm -hmm. and so I wonder if like I don't know I'm just kind of thinking if there's like research behind that of like if that kind of triggers you know someone and then I imagine you're probably like a very like type a person like likes things in check like me and so kind of going to a place where there's like less rules and no structure, it's just a lot. And then going back to, you know, that structure again and just it must have been a, just a lot of change in a short amount of time. Um, and did you – was there like a specific event that kind of triggered this or – was it just the adjustment back into a really intense soccer environment that um, do you think like started, you know, what seemed to be an abnormal state of consciousness? Um, I, I don't know. I think, um, so you're talking about the transition back to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that a lot of the, you know, intense self-doubt that I was having, it all stemmed from soccer-related thoughts and being in a really intense soccer environment where for the first time in my life, I felt like I was one of the worst players. Like, I, I definitely think that that environment created the self-doubt and created a lot of those thoughts that wound up intensifying um but I I don't know I um I do I do wonder whether there was just like at this point I think I probably have some kind of cyclical chemical um tendency in my brain where like maybe that was just the next cycle where my mental health was gonna dip and be in a worse place again um yeah how did you know like when did you know to reach out for help and how did you know where to go like had you seen a therapist before or or was it kind of like a completely new you know environment to tackle it felt like a new environment to tackle I had seen a therapist maybe two or three times um I think like when I was in college I went to our sports psych maybe one or two times and then um when I got home from Prague I remember seeing a therapist twice kind of during winter break but at that point I was feeling a little bit better and it was kind of like retrospectively talking to them and being like, okay, like, this is what I need to do differently next time if these kind of um, 
feelings come up again. Basically, I, I didn't feel as though I had a, mm, a comfort level with therapy or a, like I hadn't really had a successful experience with therapy in the sense that I wasn't feeling well, went to a therapist and they like really helped me turn around. It, it felt like I had either gone to a therapist super randomly and hadn't committed enough or saw them after the fact. And um, luckily I had one friend out in Seattle who was really persistent about making sure that I found a therapist at the time that I was starting to struggle, but I really didn't. I think I saw that therapist that I eventually found out in Seattle maybe a week before I left. So it was kind of too far gone at that point. Um, and I wish I had reached out sooner. Um, I think that like, I, I don't think I, I reached out for help soon enough when I was in Seattle, you know, like the fact yeah. that I had to leave the team obviously isn't the ideal situation. Like ideally I would have found a therapist a bit earlier and they would have helped me work through it. So I could have stayed on the team, and like work through the issues without completely derailing my life at that point. Um, um, but in terms of like, obviously it could have escalated further. And I'm so grateful that I have such loving and incredible parents that like were able to remove me from that environment once things did get really bad. And I always say like, it, it didn't feel like a decision to me. It didn't feel like, okay, like now is the time that I need to ask my parents to come get me. Like, I think my, I really wasn't thinking clearly at that point. I wasn't seeing the world like my perception of reality just wasn't wasn't quite there um and it felt like I just word vomited to my parents you know like finally let them see a little bit of the suicidal ideation that I was having and obviously as like concerned parents they um they decided that they needed to remove me from the environment I was in and spent like I think if it, I was just having suicidal ideation alone that would have been one thing but like it truly was debilitating to the point where like I felt like I couldn't practice I felt like I couldn't take care of myself make myself dinner at night like do laundry like I was just I was a mess so um I think like basically letting letting my parents see that um didn't feel like a choice it just felt like it kind of came out out of my control um and then they they kind of took it from there yeah no literally shout out to parents for just all like my my parents were similar when I was in Greece and just like a complete mess after graduating and they were like you're going home and Again, yeah, same. It was, like, not a question. It was just, like, yep. And shout out. So shout out from some slash Fairhaven parents, you guys. Really, we're <laughs> homies in very dark times. Um, what was, like, how was mental health looked at in the professional athletic world? Like, did you ever feel like you could – like specifically in professional athletics, because like I don't think I've had a professional athlete on my podcast yet. Don't think so. Um, like, did you feel like you could go to a coach or like was it talked about at all? 
Mm, no, not, not really. Um, certainly wasn't talked about in Prague when I was there and it, it wasn't talked about directly when I was in Seattle either. I think I maybe had a conversation or two with other teammates. Um, like I remember one of my other teammates had talked to the team administrators and was like, Hey, do you guys have a sports psych that's like partnered with the team that I could go work with? And the team was like, no, I'm so sorry. We're working on getting that partnership ready. And to be fair to them, the team used to be based out of Seattle and um, they had just moved to Tacoma, Washington, which is like 45 minutes south. So they were in the process of restructuring the whole organization and finding new partnerships. And they, they do now have a sports psych pretty much on staff. Um, but yeah, so I think when I was in Seattle, it, it was, I remember it being a bit of a conversation between teammates, but we were still a little bit at a loss of what to do and what resources to use. We were up to our own, um, like we had to figure it out by ourselves a bit there. Um, and now on the courage, I, it's cool. We have another teammate of mine, Kira Ricaro has a mental health podcast actually. So, um, it's, it's talked about a bit more on this team and, um, I do feel more comfortable talking to teammates and I, I do feel, I think that I'd be more comfortable talking to a coach about it. Um, but there, there still needs to be a lot of work done. Um, one thing that that's interesting too, is we fill out every morning kind of like a readiness report. So, um, how much energy we have for sore stuff like that. And then there's a mental well-being component of that too. We fill out how stressed we are and then what our mood is. Um, and like, <laughs> I know some people are not honest about yeah. on those measures at all, but I think it's at least a good sign that it's on there, um, mm -hmm. you know, that they're like taking that into account and recognize, okay, your mental well-being is part of your overall readiness for the day and your ability to train and all that. Yeah. And I definitely think like a huge, at least from, you know, the perspective of someone who watches sports exclusively and not participates, but so much of the change comes from within. Just like when you look at, you know, like Kevin Love and like the Players Tribune and like just it people coming out about mental health like that's kind of where it, the change starts or like the recognition of like something needs to be adjusted because I'm, I mean if this is you know in women's athletics and this is just making a generalization but I, I can't even imagine how e like even less it's talked about with with men's athletics just due to the nature of men being like less willing to talk about mental health issues. Um, and it's definitely just a huge topic of focus that needs to even just be further talked about. Um, but what advice would you give to 
an athlete who is struggling specifically because like I feel like oftentimes I mean just from speaking with various people there's like a huge correlation between physical injury that then leads to you know a plight and mental well-being but what advice would you give to someone who just seems to be going through something that is in their you know mind just super random or like unrelated to um they, they can't point it to something specific that's happened um I think that I was just talking to one of my coaches about this is like as an athlete we are taught that you know hard work is the end-all be-all and it's how you have to approach every part of your training and your life sometimes it's like the more work that you put in the harder that you push yourself the better and unfortunately with mental health that's like not how the equation works Mm -hmm. Um, like all here for taking steps and taking actions like like yes work hard in terms of like finding a therapist work hard to try to find different things that 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 might help you um whether it be journaling or um doing yoga and meditation but like with mental health it's a lot of it is like being kind to yourself and reframing your perspective on the world and yourself um and I it's tough for me because I feel like I still have not figured this out by any means but um I think for athletes specifically like a lot of times you think that you just need to be working harder and pushing yourself more and like you're yeah like if you're not feeling good mentally and feel like you don't have a reason for it you could just have a tendency to be super hard on yourself and think that like you're not work you're not trying hard enough however that might look like and that's um that's just not the case like your chemicals might be out of balance like who who knows what could be happening but um I my advice would be to just be gentle to yourself and like recognize that you're you're not you're not doing anything wrong like yeah. it's just um um yeah I don't know yeah, I like, wish I, I wish I had better advice but like you wouldn't treat like beat yourself up in the same way if it was a physical injury yeah I mean or maybe you would like I don't (laughs) no I don't think so I mean I yeah like when I tore my ACL I wasn't beating myself over like oh I'm not working hard enough to you know heal this tendon in my knee it's like no I know that it takes time like yeah Mm -hmm. if I am cleared to do a bike workout I'll push myself for that bike workout but I know that it's still going to be another three months before I can run and cut. So I'm not going to like, yeah, beat myself up, expend mental energy, worrying about that gap. Like I'm just going to kind of let it be and focus on what I can control. Definitely. So you mentioned that the turning point in terms of like your healing was when you applied to grad school and, just had like a new um kind of like purpose in your life and focus which I can definitely relate to like 
just having something in your life that you're like excited about and and like gives you again like that light at the end of the tunnel what did you see soccer being in your future at that point like at any or did you feel like this was just a completely like hard left from like the path you thought you were going down um I did not see soccer in my life at all at that point which I think was really healthy honestly um I had always believed in the past that my career after soccer would be environmental sciences and the grad program that I got into was in for environmental science and engineering and so I think that it felt as though I was finally back on track, even though I wasn't where I had started before the mental health crisis, it felt as though I had like skipped a step and was now, you know, heading down a track that I had seen for myself, um, for a lifetime. Um, and yeah, soccer wasn't in the picture at all, but I think I was really excited to start what I saw as the chapter after soccer. Yeah. And so when, how did you get involved with the North Carolina courage? And like, were you kind of nervous to go back to what had ended on like a bad note to say the least? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I was super mindful that, you know, this <laughs> would be hard to come, come back to soccer. And I, um, tried to make sure I had all the right resources in place. So for instance, I, the team out in Seattle still had my rights. So like technically if I came back to soccer, I should have gone back and played in Seattle, but I knew that it would be like too risky for me to pick up the life that I had established in Chapel Hill and go try out for Seattle. And if it didn't work out or if I started to have um, like a tough mental health experience again, it would be kind of like starting from scratch all over again. And so I was super lucky to talk to the general manager and the owner at Seattle. And he agreed to let me try out for the courage and would get my rights to the courage if it worked out. Um, and the courage let me come into preseason and I made sure that I had, and at this point I was feeling really, really good mentally, but I still found a sports psychologist and was kind of like, Hey, this is, this is how I'm feeling right now. I feel great. These are my goals. And I just want you to be around to basically keep me in check. Like if I start to feel worse mentally, like, you know, my baseline and these are my goals. If it starts to change, just like make sure that you hold me accountable to like ask questions as to why they're changing, whatever else. So I tried to put things in place to make sure that if I started to have a negative mental health experience again, I could like, I would have people around me to recognize that and help me get back on the right course. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely scary. And I think, but I think at the same time, it was really important for me to come back to it and show to myself that I could play in the NWSL. Like, I think it would have sat really weirdly with me for a lifetime if I hadn't at least tried to come back to soccer. Um, 
but yeah and the so I've been playing for since February and it it has been great but I I do think that now um a few months in I it has started to get harder mentally and I've had to lean on my resources a bit and I'm really glad that they're there um but yeah it's I was definitely intimidated to be in a similar environment where shit hit the fan you know like it's yeah that definitely did not um I didn't take that lightly by any means but it's so impressive that you you know had the like self-awareness to say I need to put these you know play like things in check like I need to hold myself accountable and because I think a lot of times we like think we can hold ourselves accountable but it's like and for me the I I know that like in having a podcast like by being open about my struggles I'm like that's my accountability there he's like people are listening to this like they know what I'm going through and like if I if I don't like if practice what I preach like I'm like letting listeners down I'm like letting myself down in doing so so I think it's like just so impressive that you you know knew that you had to do that for yourself and like obviously it's for the best that like it, it like you're creating a support system um in what's like a relatively new environment thank you when did because you're you know like a pretty huge mental health advocate and like I watched um your video like on uh, the like the something night sky and sunrise sky like beautiful video when did you be kind of enter the mental health field so to speak like when did you start talking more openly about your experience and was it something you kind of sought out or did someone like find you and hear your story and like how did that all take place um it's a good question it was pretty immediate to once I started feeling better, like once I started to um, understand what had happened and look back at my mental health experience with some objectivity, I think I pretty quickly was like, wow, I want to make sure that this can be avoided for people. Like I, um, if sharing my story helps other people not have to go through this, like that is very important to me. And I actually reached out to Kat, who's the co-host with me for the mental matchup, because I knew that she was working with Morgan's message. And I just kind of wanted to check in with her and be like, Hey, if you need anything, if I can help at all with Morgan's message, let me know. Um, And she, the first time that I wound up, sharing my story publicly was at a Morgan's message um, meeting for their Duke chapter. So basically just had like a zoom call with a lot of Duke athletes who are part of Morgan's message and told them about what I had experienced. And then they asked me some questions 
And I think that's, that's what really kind of kicked it off. And, um, I, I kind of forget the timeline following that, but obviously eventually started the podcast with Kat and, um, I was also at the time working on creating a website for myself that was kind of designed to be just portfolio because I've done a lot of random stuff. And one of the things that I decided to include in that was a kind of blog about my mental health journey. Um, And I think that especially is what then drew attention of other podcasters and people asked me to talk about my story a bit more from there. Um, so yeah, I think a combination of reaching out to Kat and talking to the board's message chapter at Duke and then um, publishing my website and blog on there is what really opened it up. What's been the most like rewarding part about opening up about your mental health struggles and kind of like I mean at least from like the timeline what it seems like is like in a at a similar time to you you know starting soccer again I think um one of the biggest things is now people know that I'm comfortable talking about mental health and know that I've been through things so I've had people um, message me or come to me in person and say like, Hey, I am dealing with this. Um, would you mind like just talking to me about it really quick? Um, and it's been really rewarding to have those conversations and feel like I can be a resource for people. And I do think that like, I think some people just have this aura about them where, like, people just share stuff with them. Like, I've never, I haven't really been that person, like, growing up in high school and college. Like, with some, like, I think I tend to have a small circle. So certain people, like, yes, they they know that I am non-judgmental and can, like, like, I want to hear anything that you've got. But um, it it's been a relatively new experience to have complete strangers come to me and be like, hey, I'm dealing with this. Um, what do you think and what would you recommend? And I think I, I try to, I try not to like recommend too many things. So obviously I'm not a professional, but I think just the act of listening and being able to be someone that these people can open up to. Um, and I think that, like I said, it's been a product of being so open about my story. Um, so that's been really cool. Um, to just be able to like have people know that I'm open to hearing their story and then for them to be comfortable enough to come to me and open up about it has been, yeah, really rewarding. Yeah. I am such a huge believer in like the power of vulnerability and that like just sharing a sliver of your own history, like makes people feel comfortable enough to like let down their wall and just like tell you things like almost to, not a fault, but like it, I have like a really good friend who's a therapist and she says that like whenever she goes on dates, the minute she says she's a therapist, like the guy will just like use the date as like a therapy session and just like tell them like, tell her like all about like past traumas and like because of her, 
just nature. She obviously like listens and like yeah. gives advice, but she's like, I just need to start saying I have a different profession because I just can't <laughs> like the first day. Yeah. every first day just being like, okay, should I charge you? Like, like, this is, like that's great, but also get help. Um, but it is so true with just the aura of like feeling comfortable and it's a pretty incredible feeling to be like, wow, people feel like they can share their darkest, um, like the darkest parts of themselves with you and that they feel comfortable enough, like, you know, coming to you, um, because of your own experience. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I always wrap up with a series of questions, um, kind of unrelated to anything we talked about, but there's always some, you know, overlap. So the first question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Hmm. That's such a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, my mind, my mind does go to like the mental health crisis that I had out in Seattle and having that experience of basically my life being completely derailed because of mental health and spending the next eight months very suicidal, I think, um, has made me like stronger in terms of just knowing that I can get through dark times. I think, I mean, it's not, it's not me, but one of the biggest things that I got out of that period was like, wow, my support system is insane. Like I'm so grateful for the people that are in my life. Um, But I think just the knowledge that you've been to a really dark place and come out of it is really powerful. And one thing I've been big on is like the ability to be sad, be dealing with hard emotions, be uncomfortable and just kind of sit with it and know that you're going to come out the other side is a really valuable, like almost skill. Like, cause yeah. I think a lot of people are so uncomfortable feeling any type of negative emotion. And it is, it is a form of strength to be able to feel like shit and just kind of sit with it and deal with it and like, let it, let yourself feel like shit almost. Yeah, Um, no, it's so true. And I feel like the pandemic, like in the beginning was like weirdly easy for me. I don't know if you felt like this, but I was like, when everyone else was freaking out, I'm like, oh, like, we don't know how the world's going to be tomorrow. Like, that's like, you guys are anxious. Like, this is me every day like and it was just like not, which yeah. isn't I mean it didn't like minimize the experience but just because people weren't comfortable sitting with their thoughts for so long and I was like I always sit with my thoughts so mm-hmm. in a way like kind of that resilience that we built up through going through hard times like panned out very weirdly when a global pandemic hit yeah the world. so actually when COVID started was when I was still in a really dark headspace. Like I would, I had moved in with my uncle in North Carolina, basically was just working with him, not talking to anyone. Like no one, 
I had old teammates who were still in Durham, North Carolina. So like 20 minutes down the road and they didn't know that I was here because I was still um, like struggling to hold conversations, dealing with suicidal ideation, all of that. And then when COVID hit, it suddenly became normal to be socially isolated, living mm-hmm. with family, not working a normal job. Like it made my circumstances normal and that actually did wonders for my mental health because it took away some of the embarrassment that kind of gave me an excuse to be in the situation that I was yeah like if I raised an eyebrow to me living with my uncle I could be like you know COVID man (laughs) yeah that's so true yeah so in a way the pandemic like actually really helped me um and I know that's not the case for the majority of people um but I, yeah, was very lucky in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Um, what I've been coming back to recently is everything is temporary. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's more of a mantra. I don't, I'm sure that I like read it. I've read it in so many meditation or mindfulness Buddhist books, like have that kind of theme. But um, for me, it's become a little bit of a mantra because it speaks to both whatever emotion you're dealing with, whatever situation you're in is, it is temporary. And like, um, if you sit with it long enough, it'll, it'll dissipate and turn into something else and just, like constantly reminding myself of that has been has been really helpful. I love that. And it, it's and it's true. Even a global pandemic, like we're kind of coming to the other side of it. Right. What do you love most about yourself? Oh, um <laughs> I think that's yeah, well, is it like a great question, but a hard question. Um I love that um, I prioritize humans in my life. Um, Like I, for instance, like my brother graduated from UVA last year, but had his graduation ceremony moved to like a year later because of the pandemic. And I like, kind of excessively made it up there. Um, Like we were at a away game in Seattle, we flew in and I got landed, drove directly to Charlottesville, got in really late just to kind of spend the afternoon with him. And I think um, I value the little things in life, like just getting to spend any time whatsoever. doesn't, doesn't matter where it is with, my brother, my parents, my humans, like I am so happy just to spend those moments with people um, and kind of have like the simple pleasures in life. And that's, that's one of them. So um, yeah, I I don't know like if I articulated that very well, but um, yeah, just being able to enjoy the simple things in life, I guess is what I would go with. Yeah, no, that's so important. And I think like is a lesson that people again to come back to the pandemic like a lot of people have just taken from it of like 
being grateful for like the smallest things and the small like smallest acts of kindness and chance to be together because like you know being isolated from like grandparents and like family members for so long has been like wow all those other times like I complained about driving up to see my grandma or something or like little things like I should have just been so much more grateful for the chance to be able to do that yeah um and so my last question well actually second last question which Mm -hmm. I now know the answer of but when is your birthday (laughs) September 5th 1996 nice Virgo so you're like the day after Beyonce yeah do you have a whole catalog of like who's (laughs) <laughs> I actually just know that because my one of my really good friends is September 4th and gotcha. she's like it's Beyonce's yeah. birthday and I'm like okay thank you I I know now um slash I knew I mean she's a Virgo obviously because she's a queen um <laughs> and all the best people are Virgos okay now my like actually my last question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and city can be like whatever you want to be just like how do you find solace in life Mm -hmm. um I find solace through meditation like I love meditating on gratitude or doing um like loving kindness meditation where you kind of focus on wanting yourself to be happy, healthy, peaceful, and safe, and then like extending that to other people. Um, I think it always grounds me no matter where I am and reminds me of like what is important in life. Um, So yeah, meditation in general. I love that. We actually did a loving kindness meditation practice through my job. and I've done it before and it's it is really cool especially when they talk about like passing along those words to someone who you like you know maybe not too happy with it's like kind of just goes back to the whole point of like everyone's kind of going through shit and like could use mm-hmm. some like love right now and some good energy yeah, absolutely. Like every, no matter what, like people deserve those things. And yeah, it's really helpful to get those reminders. And also like reminding yourself that you deserve those things is always such a powerful reminder too. hundred percent. Well, Skylar, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I am like so excited to just beaming that this came like so full circle, like literally back to like the 732 like area code <laughs> um where can everyone follow you um follow like the mental matchup and Morgan's message if they aren't already like learn more about your story plug everything <laughs> um yeah you can find um Morgan's message and the mental matchup on Instagram at just both of those handles at Morgan's message and at the mental matchup. Um, I'm on Instagram at Skylar Debray. Um, uh, yeah, the spelling's a bit weird, but I'm sure people will find it in the, <laughs> yeah, 
in the show title or um, notes. And then I also have a website, skylardebray.com, where you can find that blog that I was talking about, where I kind of write about in more detail the mental health experience that I had, along with like a bunch of other random stuff that um, I've done with my life. So um, yeah, like, thank you so much for having me on. And um, I'm, you're such a fantastic interview. Like Kat and I both have been so inspired by like your questions and how you, how you run your podcast. So um, it's been great to be on the other end of it too. And yeah, see you. Thank you. Well, thanks again and bye everyone.